morning church I like Emily's line of thinking repeated behaviors like some of us make a habit of being here every week or thereabouts coming together like this is something that we would neglect at our peril a lot of people do neglect doing things like this some people substitute church by going to the football hanging out with friends there or getting involved in a hobby of some description I said last night when you've got school age kids you get enveloped into the community that is the school community that you belong to my observation at this stage of life is that those community connections are supposed to be and often are life-giving not only to you as an individual but to your entire family um, and I'm excited about that I don't know about you, but I get sick of people from time to time. Um, I just, yeah, I'm a bit of an introvert, so I get to the point of just, I'm maxed out, I've got to go home and put my feet up, do something, with, like build a brick wall or chop firewood, anything that doesn't involve talking to people, I'm good. Um, you'd find that surprising, but that, that's just how I roll. Um, why am I going there? We, we we need to, I think, keep in a high place of value our relationships with people. And I want to talk to you about our Build to Reach offering before you sit down, but um, I'll pray before you sit down. I want to talk to you about, and I've talked about this before, I'm sure, from this platform. I think I preached a message about intersections a little while ago. And uh, I'm going to talk about that in a moment around what we do with our annual Build to Reach offering, which we're going to receive over the next three Sundays. So we'll make sure everybody gets the opportunity to contribute this year. So we're going to actually do this offering on our Sunday morning service today, next week and the week after. So people who are out of kids' church might not be on roster next week. And there's people who are not in church every week for no particular reason. We want to make sure they also hear and have the opportunity to go, you know what, God's spoken into my heart. And so uh, let me pray before we sit down. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to be here in the presence of a holy God. Lord, I pray that each one of us would literally, but at the moment, metaphorically, look to our left, look to our right, look in front of us and look behind us for the people that you have prepared for us to do life with. And Lord, that we would value this community of faith here in C3 Church, Adelaide Hills, across our three locations. Lord, that you would indeed bless us, that we'd be blessed with rich relationships and friendships, opportunities to carry each other through the tough times, Opportunities to encourage one another, opportunities to just love and care for them, show compassion and mercy. And we pray, Lord, that you would add to our numbers people in the community that are lost, broken, hopeless, Lord, would be attracted to the atmosphere we talked about last night, the, the actual presence, your presence in this place, your presence manifesting in our connect groups, manifesting in our homes as we have friends around who don't know you. Lord, we pray for a new season of interaction with people, intersections in life in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. God bless you, church. You may be seated. You guys are sticking around for another few minutes, then I'll dismiss you. Okay. So, Build to Reach offering. Who's excited about that? A few people are. It's all good. Yes. What is that all about? Well, I've, tried to, I've been trying to think about it, and I want to say this, that it is actually... The word intersections came to my heart this morning because essentially what our Build to Reach offerings do 
and are used for is to create opportunities for us to intersect with people. And by that I mean we meet with people. Have you ever bumped into somebody in a place you never expect that you know, that you never expected to? Julie and I were actually transiting through Heathrow Airport in London quite a few years ago, literally walked into face to face that he bowled over Vicky Simpson. Who would know? It's like, oh, I didn't know you were here. Well, you know you. We had an intersection moment. It's like when we've been in churches in Europe, I didn't know this till last time we were there. I was, uh, or maybe the time before, you know, I can't remember. It's been a few trips to Germany over the years. This guy that's actually doing a phenomenal job of delivering practical aid to the border of Romania, looking after people who are fleeing from the war in the Ukraine, asked if he could meet with me after the service at the C3 Church Hanau. And he and so I sat down and said, sure, his name's Bernd. Uh, and he said, uh, I just want to talk to you about what you said to me about five, six years ago. I said, what do you mean? He said, oh, you prophesied over me. I said, I did. I don't remember, I don't remember A, doing it, B, what I said. I've got no idea what I said. He said, well, that set me on course to do what I do. And he runs an incredible children's ministry throughout Europe. He carts Lego sets around, Lego sets, depending where you go to school. He takes inflatable castles and kids blow up things into cities and sets them up in the middle of the town square and the churches support it and they invite kids to come for no cost. And it's just got this incredible ministry. He said, that, that was all sown in my heart through the word you spoke to me. Some people don't understand why we go to Europe. I don't understand why we go to Europe other than the fact we feel like God told us to. But I know this, that those trips have created intersections. I'm sure back in the time when Paul was Saul and got knocked off his donkey by an encounter with Jesus, he had no idea he was going to end up not in Israel, he was going to end up in a jail in Rome and executed for his faith. He had intersections throughout the known world prior to that. My point is, go and make disciples is the command. It doesn't matter where, as long as we go. Some of us are going to go far, some of us are going to go not so far. Some of us are going to just go around the corner and have an intersection. Some of us are going to go to playgroup on Wednesday next week and uh, have an intersection conversation. You might not even know it's coming up, but it could be a conversation that changes the course of someone's life. So as we bring our Build to Reach offerings to the Lord every year, I want to encourage you to, to get a vision of the fact that the offering is one part of the mechanism of how we as a church reach our community. Our building facility here um, is part and parcel of the Build to Reach we've explained before is a combination of our building fund and our missional focus because we believe that the actual physical building here is part of the way we reach the Adelaide Hills. Parkside don't own their building, but they're renting one from the Unley Council. Um, but they do things in that. They've got a vision. They've they got a dream one day to, to have their own building. They don't need one at the moment. They don't, there's not enough of them, but the day is coming. Well, they're receiving a Build to Reach offering at Parkside in faith for greater things down the track. And so um, I just want to put it in front of you. I hope that you um, received one of these little cards last night at the We Are Gathering. We've actually gone into the 21st century. Pastor Bruce got dragged in kicking and screaming to QR codes. One thing that, that 
coronavirus has given us is a willingness to interact with QR codes, right? We had to do it. Now there's times when we kind of want to do it. So um, we've actually got a QR code available on one of these envelopes. You can take, the, there's some out in the foyer out there. You might have got it last night. You can scan that and rather than filling out the back of this with a pen, old school, you can just go online to a form and just go click, 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 dot, 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 sign it and hit the submit button and that'll end up in our administration department so we just know what you're planning to do. However, if you're still old school and you've got your pen in hand today and there's a piece of paper in your hand, uh, we're going to actually recover the practice of passing the offering basket around today for the first time since COVID hit, right? So what we're gonna do right now, you might've come after last night prepared with one of these envelopes filled out you might be sitting there and just thinking, I'm just motivated to give. I've got $100,000 cash in my wallet right now. Just gonna drop that in there. And uh, God's just told me to get on with it, stop being stingy. And so I'm just dropping that in there. So rather than it not happen, we're gonna pass the offering baskets around today and for the next three Sundays. Once we finished our Build to Reach program over those three Sundays, we're gonna to return to receiving offerings like that for our tithes and offerings on a weekly basis. So let me pray just as we bring this offering to the Lord today. Father, I do pray that your Holy Spirit would guide us as we have intersecting moments with friends, families, and total strangers. Lord, we dedicate this offering over the next three weeks. Lord, not, not just that it would be a financial um, transaction in any sense of the word nor would we see it as the only way this this works is by giving an offering but lord that we would reconnect our lives to reaching people wherever we've dropped the ball lord if we've let friendships slip if we've ignored people in need father if we've just lost sight of well, what is it that you want me to do with my life as a christ follower pray that this next three weeks as we share in this segment of Build to Reach you'd speak into our hearts Lord we get excited about what it is you've called us to do we pray for your hand of favour on every intersection of every relationship over this next 12 months and beyond in the mighty name of Jesus Amen thank you Lord so thank you let's go ahead and receive that offering you're allowed to just pass it along Thank you, Jesus. God does strange things with us when it comes to giving. Sometimes it's like, hmm, maybe, maybe not. Other times it's like, you just got to get out of your seat and run to the front. God speaks to us. Thank you, Lord. Just uh, as a further addendum to that thought you might be wondering um, we've had a look at our roof on this building and the board's kind of trying to plot a bit of a course towards um, the brave financial step of getting it replaced at some stage kind of think it's going to be around about a hundred thousand dollars to replace our roof so um, let's just keep praying about that um, we have yeah it's a scary number isn't it just for a roof but it's definitely coming towards the end of its useful life at about 35, 40 years. And uh, yeah, anyway, we'll get there, right? We bought the building. 
number of years ago. Just if you're a new facer in the place, we paid $535,000 for this building in 2004, plus GST. We forgot about that, so we had half the bank for the GST after the fact, but um, you live and learn, right? And uh, yeah, it's worth a little bit more than that right now, which is pretty cool, right? God's good. All right, I'm going to move on to something that's a whole lot of fun. That's called preaching. Where you go, guys. You can have a seat. Thank you. Well, I don't know about you, but I was glad to get out of the book of Job. The book of Job is challenging because it's dealing with um, one of the more complicated parts of the intersections of life. And that's when tragedy hits. And what do we do? And where's God? And it is a biblical outline of... I think this is in summary of, of the wrestles that all of us will have when we're trying to get through a season that's tough. And so it's tough going, getting through Job. And unsatisfactorily, Job doesn't really offer any particularly helpful answers in the end, other than the fact that at the start there's God, and at the end there's God, and in the middle is a whole lot of stuff going down. So um, we'll move on from Job. Everyone going okay with that? Yes, all right. So where do we go from here? Well, this morning, if you're up to date in the Bible project, uh, sorry, the Bible reading plan, we're looking and started in the book of Proverbs, which will be a fun few weeks. Proverbs is one of the most amazing, life-giving books in the Bible because it unpacks a whole bunch of practical ways to actually navigate life wisely. Um, The Bible project... Uh, videos. If you click, if you've found the resource and you've looked at that from time to time over the last six months, um, keep reading their uh, study notes and keep looking at their little video presentations. I think they always have some helpful little bits and pieces, just little bite-sized pieces that help us understand how to read the Bible, understand some of the weird narrative dimensions of an ancient book like that. We've got to remember, even though it's, because it's in English, obviously, the version we read, but the actual book, the content of it and the context it was written in is old school, like real old school. And so there are huge complications for us as Westerners reading a book that was written in the Middle East in a time and and place that's got no connection context-wise with 21st century Western world. It's got a lot of connection to do with everything to do with being human, obviously, because nothing's changed in that respect. So make use of the Bible project. Um, It points out in this particular arena that biblical wisdom is not just having knowledge. You have to remember the book, sorry, in the book of Genesis, the fall of the world, everything that changed was when Adam and Eve ate from the tree of the knowledge, say knowledge. See, knowledge is not going to give you necessarily life. The knowledge of good and evil. Knowledge can be good, but knowledge can just as equally be evil. It can be just as equally destructive. Knowing something really, really well is not necessarily going to give you life. And so you will notice that in that story in Genesis, it was knowledge that was specifically mentioned. Today we're talking about wisdom and wisdom is actually, the applic- in the biblical sense of the word, is applying knowledge. And so we want to ask God to give us wisdom. And biblical wisdom is not just, and it's applied knowledge, it is actually doing something with it. In so other words, it doesn't become a wise thing until we actually start to move into an action with the knowledge we've got. And so it's applied in real life situations to make things 
to create things, to do things, to resolve situations and to live well, peaceful and successful. I don't know about you, but that's what I, I, I'm trying to looking for at my age and stage of life. I'm looking for a bit of peace and quiet from time to time. I actually like it when it's quiet. I'm a quiet person mostly. Um, I have a few storms on the inside now and then, but by and large, I, I'm a quiet person and I look for peace. And uh, so I'm pretty happy that wisdom actually will plot that course for me. So my choice, I'm going to choose to go after wisdom. What does that look like? Well, let's just read the first few verses of Proverbs chapter 1. It says this, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behaviour, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, uh, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance for understanding uh, proverbs and, and parables, the sayings and the riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord, this is verse 7, is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So this book is provided so that we can ponder wisdom for ourselves. What I love about the Bible is we read it and it, we kind of look for it to um, give us some insight. It's actually, it is reading us. It, it's actually meant to help us delve into what's going on in here and what's going on in here like nothing else. It's the only place that you'll ever always be guaranteed to hear the truth. I don't know about you, but I'm sick to death of hearing the relentless narrative of lies in the media, from politicians, from corporate sectors, from crazy lobbyists and activists of every type and kind. People lie to us all the time. God never lies. The Bible never lies to you. The Bible doesn't shy away from your and my um, imperfections. And, it's, and it doesn't shy away from the perfection and the glory of God. And it's always going to be coming to us as truth. Nothing surer on the planet Earth than the Word of God is true. Say, God's Word, God's is, word. True. is true. Lots of people will have a big argument with you about that. Lots of people want to have a dispute about whether God exists or God doesn't. It's not currently the flavour of the month in a secular Western world to be a person of faith. I've got to tell you, choose to be a person of faith. Time will tell who's going to be standing at the end of the day. The people who are secular humanists are easily sucked into the lies of alarmism. I'm going to go a little controversial here for a minute. Not sure, not sure where you sit in the, just, just an example, sit in the, the schema of climate change. But I've got to tell you what shouldn't be in the schema of climate change is fear. But that's, that is the driver. As Christ follows, we shouldn't drive anything or anybody ever with fear. That's not God's way. God's way is not whipping people with fear, we've got a whole bunch of nutcases, if you ask me, running around the countryside at the moment, whipping up storms of fear and trepidation. We've got young people who are freaking out at the age of 10 about the end of the world. I mean, what adult in their right mind thinks that's, that's sane to do that with kids? I just think that's completely and utterly wrong. By their fruit, you will know them. If people are stirring up fear... They need to be smacked in the head. No, I didn't say that. They, they just need to be ignored. <laughs> See, I'm holding my hands tight because I'm just getting a little bit twitchy up here. 
you can see I'm just, just leading towards a little bit of a hobby horse, so I'll get back on track, okay? So this book, the book of Proverbs, is provided to us so we can ponder wisdom for ourselves. The criteria for obtaining wisdom involves two issues. And this is where the world loses its way. Because the number one issue in the book of Proverbs regarding wisdom is not about going to university and getting more letters after your name than you can, that are in your name. That's knowledge. That can be applied and that can become wisdom of a sort. But Proverbs is not talking about that wisdom. It's not saying don't have that wisdom, but it's saying there's an ingredient in wisdom from a biblical perspective that you can get nowhere else, and that is in God. So number one, our life understanding where we're at with God, fear of the Lord. That, that's what we need. We need to make knowing God a priority. And the Bible is very clear in this book that that is the space, that is the place where wisdom will begin to unfold in front of us as something we can take and use for the benefit of our own lives but, and then certainly for the benefit of others. And the other thing about wisdom is um, wisdom seems to me to be an acquired issue. You're not born with it. Some people are born, let's just say intellectually, the IQ, they're, they're, they're a little bit sharper when it comes to processing information and connecting the dots with concepts and ideas. It's something that's just, some people are pretty bright and others like me in some arenas of life are a little slow on joining the dots. It's, it's like, but thank God wisdom is something that kind of sticks to you if you keep looking for it. It actually is a bit like, um, what's that stuff that sticks together? Velcro, thank you. It was in my head, but a million miles from my tongue. Velcro. It's like wisdom is something that will, will stick to you. But it's not like I said, when I say it's, it's not about getting the books out and reading to get more knowledge. It's about walking with Jesus. It's about being closer to God. It's about allowing the Holy Spirit to breathe. You've got a difficult situation in front of you. Let the Holy Spirit breathe. Not to solve the problem necessarily, but to breathe wisdom. Wisdom is knowing what you're going to do with what you know and knowing how to apply what you know well in order for an outcome to be a good outcome, not a bad outcome. A blessing outcome, not a cursing outcome. So two things to remember. One, God is the key. If you're an atheist, you've got no wisdom. Sorry. You might be a smart person. You might even, as I said, you might be the smartest person in the room. As far as your career or your expertise, you could be an incredible surgeon or a teacher or some description, a professor. Um, you could even be a chancellor of university. Good for you. But if you don't know God, you're not wise. That sounds arrogant. No, it's just the truth. If you want to be wise, get to know God. And as I said, it's an acquired issue. So there's an assumption in that statement that we're going to walk with God, not just, just meet him one day in the altar. Oh, I gave my life to Jesus back in 1995. Such an incredible time. What have you done since? Oh, you know, you in church? No. Um, do you minister God's love to anybody at all? Oh, heck no, I'm too busy. I got my job, I got my business, I got kids, I got my family, I got stuff to do. It's like, listen, intersecting with people, with grace, with mercy, 
with compassion, with love. That's what changes everything, right? So in our place in history, number one, I've got three points here. We are living in an unprecedented time in the history of the West where there is a rejection of religion and an outright hostility to the notion of God. Young people, looking around the room at young people, listen to me. Don't let the people who deny God exists get under your radar. Just let them speak. They'll be like a hot air balloon. They'll run out of puff one day. Well, they may not. They might just keep on huffing and puffing around you. Don't listen to them. They're not telling you the truth. The truth is God is real and God loves you. The saying is, uh, there is the saying, first things first. It applies here. Like, If you want to get your life in order, get into space with God. It is not possible to have wisdom without acknowledging the reality of God. I've already said that. All the Google searches in the world, academic letters after your name, money in the bank will not deliver wisdom to the one who rejects God. Tegan, I think, mentioned, or someone did mention this in passing, it segued nicely to this comment. Proverbs 11.16 says this, Ruthless men only gain wealth. So money's not the deal. I mean, having money's good. Solomon says money's kind of at the centre of everything. That's just the way the world works. And so we don't want to be denialists and live deliberately just kind of like, oh, it's wrong wrong to have money. That's not what's being said. But when it becomes God, a little G-God in our life, then we've got trouble. So we need it, but ruthless men gain only wealth. Guess what they don't get? Ruthless men don't get wisdom. Uh, just that's, sorry, Bible language, that, that's no get out of jail for free card for you girls. Just saying, okay, it's a generic, yeah, anyway. If you're watching online, you're getting upset, just email me. I'm happy to receive it. Um, so is my pursuit of wisdom, this is a question, Two questions for you to ponder, and you might want to write this down and think about it or listen to it again later on if you listen on YouTube. Is my pursuit of wisdom for life filtered through my first priority of proximity with God? That's just a question to think about. And then secondly, what do I do to ensure that proximity? What's in the spaces that Emily mentioned What's in the pauses in your life? Are there pauses enough of them and for long enough and regular enough to hear the small voice of God beckoning you to a place of wisdom? That's what the book of Proverbs is inviting us to get into. Second point I want to make, and this probably follows on from a little bit from the book of Job, listening to the advice of others is becoming milky waters. Um, it's not always clear. You want to pick and choose very carefully who you listen to um, and who's informing you, who's actually sowing seeds of decision-making into you. What sorts of decisions are you and I making and on what basis? Like, be very discerning as to who you listen to. The book of Proverbs in one, uh, chapter 1, verse 5 invites the reader to listen and add to learning. It is not a coincidence that as we culturally reject God, uh, we have a whole groups, and we do have whole groups of people who won't listen to each other. You notice that we've become very polarized, and it's very it can become very nasty very quickly. Um, I don't remember it being quite as bad as that when I was a kid, but every generation says that, right? It's it's just 
it's, it's just a little scary to me as I live through my 60s to see how much hostility there is when there's a difference of opinion these days. It's like it's not just ever acceptable to not agree. We've got to sort of go for the jugular and say, if you don't agree with me, you don't deserve to draw breath. It's like, where do we, how do we get there? I'll tell you how we got there. As a community, we keep throwing God under the bus. If we have the love of God, the compassion and the mercy of the Holy Spirit at work within us, we're not going to fight to the death over an issue that's not worth fighting to the death for, right? And some of us are stubborn. Bruce. So the cancel culture and the revisionism of history, in my view, are all blatant examples of the total rejection of imparted wisdom. It's like like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Young people in our church, don't be afraid to ask some of the older people, that I put myself in that category, some of the older people here in our con- congregation, we have a multiple generation congregation because that's the way God's organised for us. We're meant to actually get wisdom from the people who've lived before us, not say, you're an old codger, you don't know what you're talking about. Every generation does it, I get that. But that's, that's the snare. Just because it's been done for generations, rejecting old people's old ways doesn't make sense to me to um, necessarily ditch that. So young people, my suggestion is ask somebody who's just a person in the church that you've chatted to occasionally. Just ask them when you've got a problem of some description that's not making sense, you're not sure what to do. So, like, well, what would you do? Now, they, I'm not asking you who are older to tell them a young person what to do, but tell them what you would do. This is what, because the question is, what would you do? It wasn't tell me what to do. I would say to someone who said that to me, I don't want to tell you what to do, but this is what I would do. You make your own mind up. It's like, make sure we use young people, the relationships, and so some of us that are older people at church, we go, well, what am I supposed to be doing at church now? That. Simple as that, it's just that. Maybe there's a person in our youth department that don't always come on Sunday mornings, but find out from Shane and Anna who they are. Maybe invite them over for a coffee. It's like, hey, can we meet up? Come to church, I'll buy you a coffee. Or, you know, without getting it all weird and creepy and funky and stuff, it's like, you're hearing my, my heart here, right? Yeah, good. Just as well, hey? So the corrupted notion that we're surrounded by is we pick and choose from the past what can be good for the current and coming generations. That's a lie from the pits of hell. As is, what is added in the place of wisdom? Fear. So we want to make sure, older ones, that as we are engaging with and have opportunities to speak, that we don't fall into the trap of couching what we have to say around fear of this. Let's make sure it's wise. Let's make sure it's godly. Let's make sure it's loving. Let's make sure it not only is it words, but it's an appropriate form of embrace. It's like, you're such a legend. I love talking with you. It's fantastic. My life lights up when I have a chat to someone who's young. You see lots of evidence of people uh, way older than any of us in nursing home contexts as an example, where young people come in to visit them, even little kids, small kids, they bring life. 
Older people appreciate the spark and the life and reminiscing on the incredible enthusiasm of three-year-olds. Man, they are full on, right? I've got two three-year-old grandsons. They're like flipping tornadoes when they turn up. Uh, but they keep me, they wear me out, but they keep me feeling young. So let's make sure we invest in each other. Uh, for no other reason, we all want to succeed. We all want to go to bed at night thinking that was a good day. That was a fun day. I loved hanging out with so-and-so, whatever. And it's not totally ageist. We've got to have peers and we've got to have you know, moments when we just can complain together um, about, about one thing or another. Uh, so if you're a boomer in our church, your job description is simple. Impart wisdom. Already said it, right? It's like pretty easy. The young people around us who have accepted God and placed their faith in him will receive imparted wisdom. Like you've got you to believe that. We've got to believe that the young people that are in our circle of influence in our church and our wider spheres, maybe outside of that, our personal relationships, we're surrounded by people who are actually willing to receive imparted wisdom. There are a lot who are not because they're in contexts where they've been shut down. But let's pray for those doors to open. Let's pray for people to receive wisdom as we go about being the grown-ups in the room, hey? So if you're a young person listening to this sermon, listening to this sermon, don't only wonder what your career is going to look like. Ponder this. How much wisdom am I prioritizing to receive in my life? My last point, wisdom will provide what nothing else can. Listen to this in chapter 2. I highlighted a few words starting at verse 6. Uh, firstly, the Lord gives wisdom. It's a given issue. It's something that's given to us. We talk about giving offerings to God. Well, we've got every reason to bring offerings because we're thankful that he's giving and given us wisdom. Amen? Um, he holds success in store for the upright. <clears throat> this is what, there's a whole lot of actions here. He is a shield. That is God. He guards the course for the just. He protects the way of the faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right. For wisdom will enter your heart is pleasant for your soul. What a great promise that is. Wisdom is pleasant to your soul. You know that part of you that just can get angsty, uptight, depressed, angry? That's sort of that intersection of our heart and our will. The Bible says that wisdom is pleasant to your soul. Oh, I like that. That's like just putting your soul into a nice hot spa bath. And all the bubbles. Oh, I feel like I'm floating away. That's a good way to finish the day. Pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you. I love that. Understanding will guard you. Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men. Wow. Got a great few weeks in front of us. I think it's only a couple of weeks, maybe only one that we read the book of Proverbs. Let it speak to you. Let me pray for you and we'll close. Lord, I am so thankful for our community here at C3 Church, Adelaide Hills, here in Harndorf, at Parkside and down at uh, Henley Beach, Lord, with Nick and Stace and their crew that are gathering. I pray, Lord, as we do life together, as we interact and we have intersections of conversation and get-togethers through connect groups, dinner parties, church on Sundays, just casually catching up as friends and inviting each other to each other's homes and 
meeting at restaurants or cafes. Lord, that we would always be certain that in amongst all of that interaction, we've got a connection with you that is vibrant and life-giving. Lord, I just declare over each one of us, we can therefore be confident that in the midst of our conversations about all sorts of things, wisdom can be imparted, that wisdom will be acquired, that wisdom will be transferred, that wisdom will be exchanged. And Lord, that we would find ourselves being protected by the things that I just read out from um, Proverbs chapter 2, that your shield would be around us. Lord, we'd be absolutely confident as we cop a few barbs from people, maybe vocally or a financial hit or some other issue that crops up that's problematic for us, we would stand strong because wisdom has provided us with a shield. I pray, Lord, for the relationships we have in our church, that they would they'd deepen. Lord, that they would grow greater roots down into you. And that we'll be confident, young and old in our church, we've all got a role to play in knowing each other, caring for each other, in growing each other. And I pray, Lord, that your hand would firmly be upon us. I pray for every married couple here this morning, Lord, that wisdom would permeate the very core of every marriage. Wisdom to relate, wisdom to dream, wisdom to step forward into the future. Lord, I pray for our kids finally this morning that are in the kids program and kids that are part of our church that are not here today, families that are just on the, on the edge, families that are coming and connecting here, Lord, through the play group. That, that atmosphere of wisdom, that reality of wisdom from you would flow over every part of that play group Wednesday morning. Pray for the children's program, for our kids' department, people, a great team that volunteer out there every week, bringing life, teaching kids about Jesus, about the love of God. We pray your hand upon them today, Lord. So in spite of what the world says, church, I want to declare to you the future's bright, the future's assured. Jesus is Lord, no matter what's going on, where and with whom. God is God, and we worship you and we thank you, Lord, today in Jesus' name. Amen.